Welcome to the On Deck Circle, a weekly podcast setting the table with lively baseball banter from two guys who love America's pastime. Let's talk baseball. Welcome into the On Deck Circle podcast for the week of August 27th, 2023. We just opened up a chilled beverage and hope that you'll open up a chilled beverage and join us for the next little while as we talk all things baseball. And Alex not only has liquid in front of him, he has some food in front of him. Alex, why don't you describe what you have in front of us? So I have a seasonal sandwich a sandwich that has been released by a local uh, food establishment uh, just for the season. It's chicken, right? It's chicken. And so we'll let you do, or we'll let your minds run wild and think about it. But it is a um, honey, pepper, pimento chicken sandwich. You know, I've seen a lot of these sweet and spicy types running around in the various fast food chains. And this one in particular though they are not a sponsor of our show, are definitely beloved by us. You probably know who we're talking about because they have red and white themed drinks and logos and restaurants. And yeah, not that that's a trademarked phrase at all, so but we're, we're not going to spell it. So, so our, my eyes are on this now for the first time. Oh, snap. And um, I will say... It passes the eye test. Okay. Now, here's the most important part. Does it pass the mouth test? Um, we're going to find out here. Uh, is there a pickle on here? There is. Yes, there is. It's underneath oh, no. the chicken. There is jalapeno. Ooh, pickled jalapeno. I think there's a pickle on this side. That's jalapeno. Oh. Yeah. Okay. My word. So there's jalapeno slices on All it. right. Sandwich okay. test. You know the rules. Here we go. Uh, one bite. Can't say that probably, but uh, one bite, everyone knows the instructions. The undercarriage is solid. All right, first bite. Mm. Alex's eyebrows are going up and down rapidly. It went down the hatch fine. We're going to context contextualize this a little bit. We were talking about this off the podcast uh, the other day, and um, when we would vacation down south, my, my mom would always have a supply of pimento cheese to like dip in... Um, I called it staled bread, but it was... Just uh, tell us what you think about the sandwich, Alex. We don't need to hear about no, no, you know, it, the, no, no, the, the just, salient it's all tales. The same. I'm not a big fan of pimento cheese, but this is delicious. All right. All right, so so score. You can get you got the sweet, you got the cheese, you got a bit of the heat. I mean, we don't... We, we you know Amateur scores are perfect scores, so we don't do that here. But I would give this an 8-8. Eight, 8-8, eight. Eight, eight, folks, eight, for the eight. honey pepper pimento chicken sandwich... Hopefully, they're selling them in your market. Hopefully, this isn't just a local thing. We picked one up up here. It, I mean, pimento cheese is definitely a southern delicacy, so I imagine this has got to be chain-wide for this particular you restaurant. You can definitely taste the honey. Okay, that's good. Can you taste the pepper? Uh, the pepper wasn't, like, overwhelming. Can um, you taste the pimento? Yes. Can you taste the chicken? Yes. That's a win, 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 folks. I love and the change of pace, though, from the pickle to the pickled jalapeno. I love that. You know, I wonder if you can request that on a original chicken sandwich from this particular fast food joint, because that could be life-changing. This is good. Well, this is good. I'm glad we have this context. Anyway, 
we're we're three and a half minutes into the podcast. We're here for baseball. We haven't talked a lick of baseball. No. We have a full agenda, good, bad, ugly, updates on playoff races, look ahead to this upcoming weekend, Labor Day weekend, to see what kind of good matchups we have going on. So without further ado, let's jump in and look at some good, bad, and ugly. Leading off. And this week in our good, bad, and ugly, Alex, I'm going to let you. Uh, I'm going to let you eat your sandwich in peace. Yes. I'm going to go down the good, bad, and ugly on my side, and then you can give us your good, bad, and ugly. And who knows? Maybe said chicken sandwich will make its way into the good, bad, and ugly. My good for the week is related to someone that you picked on a couple weeks ago. You ran off some stat numbers from someone who was well south of the Mendoza line, the Mendoza line being batting 200. And you ran off those stats and you you posited the question, is this person actually a good baseball player, if I remember correctly? You keep records like an ex-girlfriend. And that's all I'm going to say. Well, <laughs> you eat chicken sandwiches. Like, well, never mind. We're not going to go there. <laughs> My good for the week is Max Muncy. Max Muncy has had extra base hits in seven consecutive games. He has a 12-game hitting streak. He is over 200, ladies and gentlemen. He's batting a clean 205, 31 homers, 86 RBIs. He's really come of age as of late, really hitting the ball well, seeing the ball well. And he is my good for the week. My bad for the week is Bo Bichette, the shortstop for the Toronto Blue Jays. He was on the injured list leading up to the trade deadline. The Toronto Blue Jays went out and traded for Paul DeJoung, the shortstop from the St. Louis Cardinals. Bo Bichette came back from the injured list. They DFA'd Paul DeJoung. He went and signed with the San Francisco Giants. And now this week, Bo Bichette is back on the injured list. What in the world is Toronto to do at shortstop? That's a real problem because they are in the fight for the wild card. They're only three and a half games back. They need him right now. And that's just a bad timing for, I believe he has a quad injury. So hopefully Bo comes back and can help the Blue Jays get over the hump and into one of the playoff spots for the Toronto Blue Jays. My ugly for the week. Did you devour that chicken sandwich already? No, I got half of it here still. Oh, okay. That's what that smell is. My ugly for the week. Is the Los Angeles Angels. We, at this point, probably sound like a broken record. I know, personally, the Angels have been my ugly for several weeks over the last month. This week in particular, though, they are my ugly because this week... The Grim Reaper showed up this week. This week, I think the Los Angeles Angels finally admitted without admitting that they really messed up at the trade deadline. They put almost a quarter of their roster on waivers. Waivers meaning another team can claim them, pay a $50,000 transfer fee, and they pay the remaining two months worth of salary for that player. They're eligible for the playoffs. The six players include several significant pieces that they traded for at the trade deadline. So imagine this. You're a team desperate to get in the playoff hunt. You give up pieces to go get players. And now, not even a whole month after the trade deadline, you're waving said players, hoping to get rid of them. That is atrocious. I think whoever's in the front office for the Angels, they need some turnover there. Uh, I mean, uh, to me, that is just ridiculous. How did they think this was going to play out? 
I mean, it's I, a salary dump on their end. They're, well, they're you, hoping to get below the salary cap. I, yeah, I get and what get they're doing right now. Pick. But it's like, what, even when we go back to the trade deadline and the names that they acquired, you know, some of them were decent players, good players, maybe players who historically have been better than even they are today. But it was like there was nobody on that list that was like, this is the team that's going to replace Mike Trout, and we're going to lead. They're going to lead us to the playoffs. They, there were no honey pepper pimento chicken sandwiches. No. Lucas Giolito was decent like three years ago and was having an okay season, but it was like he's not going to stabilize. He, you know, is uh, when you acquire pitchers at the trade deadline, you're asking yourself like, could this guy pitch Game Seven in a seven game series in the playoffs? And I'm yeah. like. Ah, I don't think I'm going to roll Lucas Giolito out there. And obviously now they're not. And so anyway, I just, so yeah, Lucas Giolito is one of the six. Yeah. Randall Gritchick is another one that they acquired from the yep. Rockies. Hunter Renfro is someone they traded for at the beginning of the season. The, and poor, man, the poor man, CJ Crone, the poor man, CJ Crone. And then uh, Ronaldo Lopez, a bullpen arm. They picked up at the trade deadline. He's actually been really good. Yeah, right. Yeah. He actually could be really decent and it's, it'll be interesting to see, uh, play uh, teams that maybe didn't get everything they wanted uh, at the trade deadline. Maybe they're going uh, dump uh, dumpster fire shopping at the yard sale that is the Anaheim or the Los Angeles Angels right now. I think I think Ollie's just opened up a new store out in Los Angeles at the Los Angeles Angels Stadium, and this is the time for some teams that are still looking for that little bit of extra help to get over to Schneid to go and get some players I, I i think i oh boy i hope the phillies pick up one of these guys yeah not giolito stay away from him but i think gritchick renfro or ronaldo lopez could really help the phillies it'll be intriguing to see who actually ends up picking those up all right so you're you're in a good place right now why don't yes. you run through your good bad so, and ugly for the week yeah good bad and ugly uh kind of going from the going from Bo bichette in the bad uh column to something good that's happening with the blue jays davis schneider was called up to play uh third base kind of like a platoon player for uh the blue jays and davis schneider is a 24 year old rookie and he's played so far this season well, he's at 45 at-bats. We'll just say that. 45 at-bats total. And so he's played about a week and a half with the with the Blue Jays. And about 11 games, probably. Yeah. And he is a stud so far. I mean, he, you know, he, we're not putting him in the Hall of Fame yet, but if the Hall of Fame was... was okay was one after a week and a half, Davis Schneider would be would be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, wait, wait, wait. If he played for the Cincinnati Reds, would you be this excited about him? You know what? He's no Ellie De La Cruz, but he's putting Ellie De La Cruz's first week and a half to shame. Why do I say okay. that? So far, he is batting 422 with an OPS at 1421. Nice. He's had six home runs, 14 RBIs. In 45 at-bats, he has 19 hits. He's been drinking that Vlad juice. He's just ripping the cover off the ball, and he's already his war after a week and a half is one and a half. And so David Schneider is keeping the Toronto Blue Jays relevant uh, just because of his production at the plate. And uh, he seems to really be enjoying himself. He's kind of a fun follow on social media. Uh, there's been some videos of him and he's like, I'm just having fun. And I'm like, I would think so. <laughs> and so anyway, David Schneider is my good uh, for the week. And hopefully he can keep it up because it's just a fun story. My bad for the week 
Uh, the Houston Astros are visiting Fenway Park, and they're uh, they're <laughs> they they're they're doing their business against the Red Sox. The Red Sox had kind of played themselves into relevance. The Astros came to town. Um, they had the lead, I think, uh, early on in Game One of the series, and the Astros stormed back and uh, and demolished them. Uh, but in Game Two of the series, uh, this is something apparently they do regularly in the hashtag Straw Poll a straw poll of Astro Nation. This question was asked, and you'll understand why this is my bad in a minute. And the question reads this way. If Altuve is the Yankees, quote-unquote, daddy, which other Astro star is the biggest, quote-unquote, daddy to an AL team? Is it A, Jordan versus the Red Sox, B, Tucker versus the Rangers, or C, Verlander versus the Yankees? Oh, snap. And this is unconfirmed, but I think the fire department was called after that because Fenway was on fire after that. Burn, baby, burn. Uh, that's just uh, that's a level of confidence um, that I appreciate when a franchise is like, you know what? We own, like, we have players that just own certain teams, and we're going to let the whole world know about it. I feel like your Don would be, like, the biggest... Uh, the, the biggest quote unquote daddy because he just owns yeah, everybody. He does. He does. And it's like, yeah, it's like, well, who's, who's, who is, who is your Don, not the daddy to. And so it just, uh, by the way, as a Phillies, you're a Phillies fan. And so as a Phillies fan, do you still hear the reverberation of that home run late in the deciding game? Has that ball landed in center field yet in Philadelphia? Okay. That the, the remains of that chicken sandwich that you have sitting in front of you might, find themselves somewhere inside of you quickly. Yeah. So anyway, Houston Astros broadcast team, who's the biggest daddy question is uh, my bad for the week. And then my ugly for the week, uh, they, the Rangers, the Texas Rangers have fallen right back down to earth. Not necessarily like out of the playoff hunt. They're still tied for the division lead, but Boy, they, we, we are really picking on the AL West this week. The AL West is they, well, there are a lot of newsworthy stuffs going on in the AL West because the AL West is a is going to be a heat. We'll talk about a race to the finish, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. But there was a stat that was almost shocking. And if I was a fan of the Rangers and I saw this stat, like I would have picked up my torches and pitchforks and you know gone after the front office a long time ago. The Rangers bullpen has converted as a team twenty four saves this year which means they've come in and they've nailed down uh, a win in the ninth inning 24 times. The Rangers pitching staff has blown 25 saves this year. Wow. Which means they've come in in the ninth inning and they have relinquished the lead. They didn't necessarily lose every game, but they've lost a number of those games. And when you're sitting there now in a three-way tie atop the AL West, and you're like, we've blown 25 ninth inning leads. That's the sort of stuff that leaves Rangers nation like gripping the toilet. Definitely not insignificant. No, it's not. And so that's a shockingly high number. It's not. I mean, every team has a number of blown saves throughout the course of the season. But to have more blown saves than converted saves is shocking. And part of that's due to the fact, too, that the Rangers just pummel people all the time. And there's no there's not a lot of save opportunities. But more than half are being blown 
if the Rangers don't end up winning the division, they're only going to have their bullpen to blame yeah. at the end of the day. Anyway, that's my ugly for the week. All right, so let's let's piggyback off of the topic of saves yeah. to get us to our next topic on the agenda. Now on deck. And in this segment, we want to talk about Tommy John. Now, what's prompting our discussion on Tommy John? Well, this past week, there were several players, Shohei Otani being one of them, that is having some problems with their UCL. So the segue from relievers in our last segment to this segment is Felix Bautista, probably the best reliever in baseball, no doubt the best closer in baseball, went down earlier this week yep. with some with an undisclosed UCL injury. We don't know if he's going to need Tommy John yet. But that's come on the heels of other prominent pitchers. Regardless, he's not going to be pitching. Yeah, he's not going to be pitching probably for the rest of the season, if not the postseason. And that was kind of a punctuation mark all along the lines of other pitchers that we've seen in recent weeks who are going to need Tommy John surgery. And we thought from a historical perspective, it would be interesting to kind of give you the backstory of Tommy John surgery, what it is how long it's been around, why it's necessary. So Tommy John surgery is actually named after a baseball player who played named Tommy John. He played, I don't know if you know this, Alex, he played for 26 seasons. Yeah, he was a long, it was a long time. He was called the bionic man. That's, I'd never heard that. Four-time all-star. He has 288 career wins. Yeah, his, his career numbers are not bad. But here's the thing. He has the second highest win total since 1900 who's not in the Hall of Fame. That's uh, that's well that's interesting cuz you just look at his numbers, his war is really good. He's got a good win total, his ERAs and you're like why is this guy not in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, he he played, he had it a couple 20 win seasons, uh played for the Dodgers, played for the Yankees, the White Sox, some other teams. And he had the first successful ulnar collateral ligament replacement surgery in September of 1974. Yeah, because he sat out the 75 season. He did. And so because of that, they it, the, the surgery has been renamed after him yep. and is now affectionately called Tommy John surgery. The surgery itself basically involves reconstructing the UCL, the, the ulnar collateral ligament, which connects your upper arm, your humerus bone, to your lower arm, the ulna. They replace the, leg the ligament with a tendon from another part of your body, and they basically graft it in. I did not know that. So it's a pretty uh, significant surgery. It's an outpatient procedure, but it takes anywhere from 9 to 12 months to rehab from, particularly if you're a pitcher. I found this statistic interesting. There have been over 1,200 pitchers who have had the surgery since 1974, which doesn't really sound like a large number, but what's the number of players who have played in Major League Baseball it's overall? It's only like 25,000 players. So 25,000 players, that's basically 5% of everybody who has played Major League Baseball. 1,200 pitchers to have that surgery is quite a significant number for a sport. For example, if we were to go to the NFL, the NFL over the last couple of years has had some concussion protocol injuries. If you had 1,200 players have concussions, 
which the NFL has had a large number of players have concussions, they start putting rules in place to try and limit those sorts of injuries happening to players. And it feels like this UCL tear is happening as a result. Uh, it's happening at an alarming rate to these pitchers and they're losing years off of their career rehabbing from the surgery. So actually it's only 20,000 players, only 20,000, 20, 365. So literally almost 10%. Yeah. It's yeah. And that's a, that's not an, that's not a not significant percentage of players who have received Tommy John surgery. It's interesting to note um, people like the argument is like people come back stronger after Tommy John and Tommy John himself is a great example of that. He didn't have one 20 win season prior to his uh, Tommy John surgery or UCL surgery. His what kind of surgery? <laughs> Tommy John's Tommy John surgery. Uh, three of the next five seasons, he would win 20 or more games in two of those seasons. His ERA would be sub three. Nice. And so like the, the years after his Tommy John surgery or his UCL repair, he was 10 and 10 his first season back. Then he was 20 and seven, 17 and 10, 21 and nine, 22 and nine with ERA right around three. Yep. So it's, it's pretty good. The surgery is not without its risks. There are many players who have had Tommy John surgery and have not come back the same. They've not come back stronger. Last year in 2022, there were 93 Tommy John surgeries, which is pretty alarming. And it appears that the number is growing, that there are more and more players who it almost feels like a rite of passage for pitchers. Like yeah. if you're going to be a significant pitcher in the major leagues, you're going to have the surgery at some point. The whole Tigers pitching staff like two years ago all had Tommy John. It was like a bad hazing routine for these rookies. They're like, oh, we're all going to get Tommy John together. So like I said, if you're going to be a significant pitcher in Major League Baseball, you got to go through Tommy John. But it's interesting as you do some reading about this, and I would encourage you as our listeners, do some more research on Tommy John surgery. The cause of Tommy John surgery is not overuse at the Major League level. Many scientists, and even Tommy John himself, believe that the surgery is necessitated because of overuse during upper elementary and adolescent puberty years that I believe that that we have kids in little league fall ball travel ball you know and they're playing they're pitching back-to-back -back days they're throwing the ball all the time they're pitching 12 months out of the year yeah. their arm never has an opportunity to rest or develop or grow in strength and so they, they throw the ball all the time growing up. They get to the major league level. Then they start throwing the ball harder, and then it ends up causing a tear in their UCL, and they got to have Tommy John surgery. Can I tell a personal story real quick? Go for so it. So I coached Little League this last year. My, my daughter plays instructional league baseball. I had a, converse, well, I had a conversation. <laughs> it was a heated discussion uh, with an opposing coach because we witnessed on more than one occasion – eight-year-olds throwing 40-plus pitches an inning. Wow. Now, you have to have a pretty liberal definition of pitching to call what some of these kids were doing pitching, but I'm like, they don't let professionals throw 40 pitches in an inning. Now, they aren't throwing 99 miles an hour, but these kids are putting heavy effort into throwing the ball, and I'm like, this is happening with eight, nine, ten-year-olds and it's happening at every level going up from there. And it yeah. just begs the question for me, have we really bamboozled 
the development of pitchers in today's world. Yeah. And I think the question, so a question you had asked off the podcast was, should humans be throwing the ball this hard? That's a real question. And I think you look at the research, though. Tommy John surgery is not happening because kids are throwing the ball too hard. I think kids are throwing the ball too much. It's more just uh, it's more of a repetitive motion injury. And so I don't necessarily know that the solution is to throw less hard. I think the solution is to not throw as much, particularly as you're growing up. Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe these pitch counts are actually good things for little kids. Yeah. Maybe it's not a great thing if you're in the Little League World Series to see a kid throw 120 pitches as a complete game shutout in the World Series. Like, yeah. maybe it would be better for that child for you to pitch count him while he's in Little League and in Development League. Well, that's, and then that way he doesn't need Tommy John when he gets older. It was the kid. Uh, it wasn't even because the Little League World Series, they police the pitch counts pretty well. They do. But where you don't see it, I remember there was the uh, there was the young man. I can't remember what team he was for, but he threw a complete game in the College World Series and he threw something like 140 pitches. Yep. And you're just like, that can't be healthy. Now, I don't know what this guy's future is. And if you know, it's like if he's like, man, I'm not a pro pitcher. I'm not going to make it to the next level. I may never lace it up again. I'm I'm going out and I'm going out. You know, I'm going to die on the field here. That's one thing. But a lot of these guys get drafted. They go to the next level. And it's like any hope they had of a career is fried because by golly, we've got to win the College World Series and we're going to throw 140 pitches if we need to do it. Yeah. That's just, it's just irresponsible. But where you see it, where, where it really grabs people's attention is when we lose Shohei Otani, who's, have, who's going to win the MVP still, but you lose him and, and what makes Shohei Shohei is that he's going to pitch every five or six days and he's going to hit. Now he's hitting um, and, you know, we just kind of miss out on half of what is Shohei Otani. And what's interesting with Shohei is if he gets, if he elects to get Tommy John, because apparently you don't have to get Tommy John. Yeah, you just can't throw. And it's like you just got to either rest it or whatever and hope it comes back. But if he elects to get Tommy John, it'll be the second time that he gets Tommy John. And there is a significantly less successful rate. Yeah. The second time you have Tommy John surgery. Uh, uh, Shohei's not the only one, though. I think it actually. I think what Tommy John surgery is doing to the game is it's undermining some of the great teams in the game. Yeah. Like, let let me just run down a list of pitchers who have had Tommy John surgery this year. Yep. Erman Marquez, Colorado Rockies. Yep. Luis Garcia, Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Robbie Ray, Seattle Mariners. Tyler Malley, Minnesota Twins. Walker Bueller had Tommy John surgery at the end of last year. He's coming back. This is his second Tommy John surgery. Jacob DeGrom, second Tommy John surgery. Matt Boyd, Detroit Tigers, Tommy John surgery. Hugh Darvish, recently sidelined from pitching for the foreseeable future due to forearm discomfort. Well, we've heard that before. Anytime a pitcher has forearm discomfort, Tommy John's probably in your future. Felix Bautista, UCL injury. Don't know if he's going to have Tommy John or need Tommy John, but more than likely probably. Shohei, like you mentioned, Andrew Painter, the the prospect for the Phillies, Cade Cavalli, the prospect for the Washington Nationals, Tony Gonsolin from the Dodgers, Shane McClanahan from the Tampa Bay Rays, Liam Hendricks, the closer from the Chicago White Sox, 
John Means, the pitcher Wait, for Liam the Orioles. Hendricks coming. He came back from cancer just to get Tommy John. Correct. Oh my gosh. John Means, pitcher for the Orioles. He had Tommy John last year. He's working his way back, almost back into the rotation. And then Ian Anderson from the Atlanta Braves is had Tommy John surgery as well. So you look down that list. A lot of playoff teams on that list. Correct. And you think to yourself, to your point of you know trading for someone who's going to win a Game Seven in the World Series. Yep. Many of these pitchers would be pitching game seven of the world series were it not for needing Tommy John surgery. Exactly. And exactly. you just look at Tommy John surgery. And I think really whoever wins the world series this year has got to have an asterisk by them. Like you didn't beat the teams at their best. You just survived with a pitching staff that didn't have to have anybody have Tommy John surgery on it this year. Well, and, and they do say that's, you know, baseball is ultimately a marathon and it's almost a war of attrition, but this is not the type of war of attrition that we want to see in baseball. I don't think. Yeah. 100%. It's like, man, I, you know, we, we serve, we serve our pitching staff survived this year. And it's like, I don't know. There's something to be said for, I, I was just watching a, an interview that he did. And it's like, you go back to that classic nineties, brave staff and somehow Smoltz, Glavin, uh, Maddox, they pitched a career and were able to survive a career of excellent pitching and stabilized a rotation for a whole decade. And there were no Tommy Johns interrupting that. Now, there are other injuries that they dealt with throughout, but nothing like put them on the shelf for a year. And so it's like, that's what we want to see. Yeah. And I think it's also, it hurts the discussion of, we, we've talked about this on previous episodes of the podcast, the decline in this role that is the starting pitcher. And it's like, well, Jacob deGrom, who is arguably the most talented pitcher in this generation, can't stay healthy more than four starts before he goes on the shelf with an injury. Yeah. And when his career is over, the question is, be like, well, what could his career have been if he had just stayed healthy? Yeah. Anyway. It's very interesting. All right. Well, that segues to our next segment. In the hole. And in this segment, we want to provide our take on how the wild card and playoff picture has evolved over the last week. Uh, Just three division races to point out. The AL West, we're going to get to them in a minute. The NL Central, the Brewers still hold a four-game lead over the Cubs. More on that coming up. In the American League East, the Orioles are still clinging to a a two-and-a-half game lead over the Tampa Bay Rays. What I'd like to do, though, Alex, is get your take on some teams that I would say are on the bubble. They are not in the wild card race yet, or they are, but they're not like in great position for the wild card. And kind of get your thoughts on where you see things sorting out. So... First off, give me your take on the AL West because this last week we uh, there was a huge upheaval in the AL West and that the Mariners were in first place briefly over the weekend. Yep. And as we speak on the podcast today, there is a three-way tie in the AL West between the Rangers, Astros, and Mariners. I believe the Mariners have the tiebreaker. No, I just read this today. The Texas Rangers have the tiebreaker. Okay. If the season ended right this minute. Now, based off head-to-head matches down the stretch, that could change. But as of like the as of the as of today, Texas would be the two seed or something in the American League behind the Orioles if it ended today. Nice. And so, but regardless, it's great for baseball to have a three-way tie with almost one month to play. And it's going to be dramatic baseball on the West Coast 
just for the next month. Uh, my father-in-law, I'm jealous. He's going next week to the Texas-Houston game. <laughs> it's going to be rocking in Texas. Anyway, um, it just, you know, right now, like Seattle has worked their tail off to get back to this position. And it looks like all three of these teams most likely are going to be playoff teams is what it's looking like right now. Yeah. And so we're not talking about not the playoffs, but to get that by is huge, you know, just and to, to not have to worry about playing games. Yeah, not, just, I'm sorry. There are no playing no games, playing, but just, but just like you, you miss out on the wild card round altogether and you're just going to wait and you're going to see how the, you know, how the cookie crumbles and we're going to get into that second, that second uh, series, the divisional round. And so what there, it's a bittersweet. Yes. If I'm Seattle, man, I've worked really hard to get back to this position. The flip side of that is we've worked really hard. And so far, all we've earned is a three-way tie for first. Yeah. And so again, it, I, and I've said this previously, I'll keep standing by it. I think Houston is going to win this division. It just, I'm going to go with the proven commodity until proven otherwise. Okay. And okay. so Houston is probably going to win this division. Um, They've been playing catch up all season. They too have, you know, I think that's a story that no one's talking about is that, you know, the Rangers ran out to a pretty substantial lead over the Astros. And then all of a sudden the Astros just kind of kept, you know, hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. Oh, we're four games back over oh, two games back. Oh, now we're tied and we're here too now. And we're playing good baseball and they're asking poll questions on their broadcasts of whose daddy are we today? That's a com- that's a confident franchise. It is indeed, and so we'll see. But that I, it's going to be fun. Fun. Julio Rodriguez has almost played himself into the MVP discussion in the American League. See, and that's where I think we disagree because I think you have to be the most valuable player for your team the whole year, not the most valuable player for your team most of the year. Well, no, and I still think Shohei is the. MVP, but he's almost playing himself into the discussion. He is playing his team out of the playoff picture. Julio Rodriguez Sh- is playing okay. his team okay. into okay. the playoff okay. picture. The Angels have played their way out of the play- out of the uh, playoff picture in spite of Shohei Otani's efforts. Still leadership. Okay, when your leader can't speak English, and I the mean, words- come on, there's only so much he can do in the American League or in the American League ballparks. <laughs> All right, anyway. uh, so a much crazier mess is the national league wild card. Yes. So the Phillies are five games up for the first wild card spot. They're in good shape. The Cubs giants, diamondbacks, reds, and Marlins are all within four games of each other. Yep. What's your, what are your thoughts? You know, so Cubs, giants, diamondbacks, reds, Marlins, which of those two do you see rising to the top? It's like you kind of got to do like a buy, sell, hold with some of these guys. Um, Chicago, up until they just lost two out of three to the Milwaukee Brewers, who are hot in the National League. You know, their stock has been rising, consistently rising. They are now, you know, as far as solid is concerned, they're in that number two spot. And they've got a little bit of a cushion. Not much, but a little bit. One game. Exactly. And it's like, but, you know, considering where they were three weeks ago, it's like, wow, that's uh, quite the turnaround there. And so they still look good. Uh, San Francisco, Arizona, those teams are hard to peg. They're hard to pay. If we're going to go to the flip side, the Cincinnati has been in a relative decline over the last two and a half weeks. So here's my thought on the Giants Diamondbacks. Yeah. Whichever one has the fewest remaining games against the Dodgers 
has the upper hand. In That's that. a great point. Because the Diamondbacks have had it handed to them the last couple of days from the Dodgers. Yes. The Dodgers trashed Zach Gallen. The Dodgers trashed Merrill Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. So if the Giants or Diamondbacks have a lot more games against the Dodgers the rest of the way, I think that's a huge disadvantage for them as opposed to anything else that happens between those two clubs. I kind of view them as, as equivalents. Giants, Diamondbacks, similar stage, similar type of club, similar type manager, couple great pitchers, suspect bullpen, but it's a decent bullpen. And I agree with you with the Reds. I mean, they're only two games back, but they're four and six over their last 10 games. They they're feel going like the wrong they're, direction. They feel like they're much further out than that, uh, just based off how they've been playing over the last few weeks. Yeah. The Miami Marlins are three games back. This, they didn't handle their business against the Washington Nationals. So this is the time. So, you know, the, con- the, the calendar is going to roll over to September, and I don't want down- to downplay what Seattle has done. The postseason story is usually written about the team that gets hot the second week of September and can carry that through. Yep. Rarely is it the team that got hot August 1st and carried that for, you know, 60 days. That just, that just doesn't happen all that often. Yeah. And so that's what I mentioned last week on the podcast. It did Seattle peak too soon. We'll we'll see. I don't you know we don't know. Time but will tell. Time will tell. But I just this kind of makes you wonder. Absolutely. All right. So that takes us to our final segment this week. Batting cleanup. And on our final segment this week, we are going to look ahead to some matchups. My matchups all really revolve around the NL Central. I have no fewer than one, two, three, four, five series. Okay. Well, written down here. I have a feeling I have three of your five. We'll see. Philadelphia versus Milwaukee. Yes. Great matchup, two postseason bound teams. This is an opportunity for Milwaukee to establish some dominance. The Phillies have been pitching really well recently. Their offense is hot. Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, both hitting over 300 over the last couple weeks. Can they carry that momentum into Milwaukee against a Brewers team that's playing very well? My second game that I'm looking ahead to is the Chicago Cubs versus Cincinnati Reds. To me, I think this comes down to one of those two playoff spots. Uh, The Cubs have an opportunity, maybe if the Phillies handle their business, to make up some ground on the Brewers and make this a competitive division. Or the Reds, who are three games behind the Cubs, could make up those games this weekend and make it a much tighter race in the wild card. So the Cubs-Reds matchup in Cincinnati, I think that's a compelling matchup for this weekend. And then... We've been talking about the top tier teams in the National League and American League. This weekend, the top two teams in the National League square off. Atlanta goes to Dodger Stadium and NLCS preview. Oh, man, I'm looking forward to that series. Number one, because I root for the Dodgers. And number two, I root against the Braves. Inexplicably. And number three, I'm still bitter at what the Braves did to the Dodgers a couple of years ago in the NLCS. When when your favorite player leaves a team, you don't need to root for them still. So when Trey Turner leaves the Dodgers for Philadelphia, you don't have to keep rooting for the Dodgers. But Freddie Freeman, man. Freddie Freeman has a legit shot to hit 60 doubles this year. Are you a Braves fan? No. Why are you a Freddie Freeman fan? (laughs) He just plays the game of baseball well, my friend. He plays the game well. 
watching him hit is like watching Da Vinci paint. My other two uh, games that I'm looking at this week, uh, Minnesota goes to Texas. You're garbage. Minnesota goes to Texas. Minnesota is the worst of all of the division leaders. They probably don't deserve garbage to be in the playoffs, but they're going to go to Texas and Texas again, as we talked about has a chance. Hey, you know what? You have a chance too to show themselves against a playoff team and try to, you know, right the ship a little bit. We'll see. And the other one, um, Baltimore goes to Arizona. Arizona needs to keep winning. And Baltimore's coming to town, and they're the best. They're the most entertaining show in baseball, and we'll see if they can do it. I don't know. We might come back in next week, and Arizona will be on the outside looking in, uh, maybe even further than what they are right now. That wraps up our episode for this week of our podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hearing our hot take on this honey pepper pimento chicken sandwich. Yeah, travel out to your local chicken and go get yourself an HPP. Yeah, could be could change your life. And uh, go out and watch some baseball this weekend. Lots of good matchups. You to will watch. be tempted to watch college football, but watch baseball instead. Yeah, definitely watch baseball instead. And until next week, we're out of here.